You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Varallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. And we are kicking off uh, this week and Tomorrow will be the official opening day to the NFL season, uh, March 17th. It is officially free agent frenzy at a time. And, uh, you know, it's uh, always exciting this time of the year once we're getting into, um, you know, what new players are the Jets going to go after and, you know, who exactly um, are going to be the top targets that they go through. And, you know, yesterday was kind of a whirlwind signings and, it really seemed like the Jets were a little quiet, but, you know, they made a couple moves in the um, later part of the evening last night. And, um, you know, the, the quiet Joe Douglas um, seems to, uh, you know, strike oil, it seems. Um, so tonight's episode, um, as you can tell, it, it's just me right now. Um, I will be joined with a guest. Um, this is our very own Green Bee um, from JetNation.com. Um, you know, if you if you don't know who Green Bean is, you can find him on our YouTube channel. Um, he's kind of the wandering Jet fan, and, and you know, it doesn't matter what time, day or night, uh, Green Bean is always ready to put out some some Jet con- Jet Nation content. So very excited to have him on the show again. Um, Green Bean's going to give us his takes on the few free agents that we've signed, and he's also going to provide us his plan or what he feels. Joe Douglas and the Jets should do moving forward um, now that we're almost through the second day of tampering and we'll be officially um, able to sign players after 4 p.m. tomorrow. Um, so, you know, this is always the, you know, the scary and the exciting part because we see a lot of news, we see a lot of headlines of agreements being made, but nothing's truly official until after that 4 o'clock uh, deadline on tomorrow. Um, March 17th. So we know in the past that, you know, some teams have posted things that, you know, they've come to an agreement and then things fall, you know, fall through the cracks um, within, you know, the next 24 to 48 hours. So knocking on wood that everything goes smooth and accordingly for our Jets here. You know, last thing that we need um, is to be in another Anthony Barr style situation to where contracts are being ripped up before they're, you know, even, um, you know, put to print. So um, we had a few moves yesterday, uh, and I'll go right off the bat, right down the list. Um, One of the first ones that I saw that seemed a little bit, you know, alarming to Jets fans was Gerard Davis, a former uh, first-round pick from the Detroit Lions. Um, You know, he was 21st overall, considered an off-ball linebacker. Um, clearly things have not worked out well for him uh, while he was over there. Um, not a lot of activity um, showing from the, the stat lines from him, but, you know, there seems to be, you know, maybe an untapped resource here. And I think that's kind of the theme with all the players that we've currently brought on. 
And uh, before I get too, too far ahead of myself here, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. Um, if you're a business that, um, you know, is doing really well right now and, and you've got everything working for you except for your social media profile, um, look no further than milesocial.com. They can help you with your social media management. They can help you create web design. Um, they also can improve your search engine optimization and also help your marketing with your company as well. So if you're looking to get your company, um, you know, broadened out to, you know, the masses out there, M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-A-L.com, milesocial.com. Go check them out and get your business running the way that you want it to. Okay. So now that uh, I've gone ahead and done the, the, done the uh, sponsor plug, we can get into uh, the nitty-gritty here um, with these situations here. I don't want to get too deep because, you know, when Green Bean comes on here, we'll be able to go back and forth a little bit on our takes with these um, particular players. Um, but, you know, as per usual, the Jets always come out the gate a little bit slow. Um, you know, we call it doing diligence. And, and as we know, um, the New York minute, is it's not a thing. It's real. And uh, impatience is definitely the theme across um, – you know, our fan base. So a lot of people were clamoring for moves. Um, some people were upset watching some of the uh, big ticket free agents get signed, you know, uh, specifically a Joe Thune. I mean, getting an $80 million deal, going to one of the best teams in the AFC. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, you, you know, if you watch the Super Bowl, you can see that the offensive line struggles was the big factor of why, uh, Kansas City didn't run, you know, the table back two years in a row. So clearly they're uh, well aware of their issues, and they went out and started by signing the best guard um, that money can buy. Uh, a lot of people said that that's crazy, but at the same time, when we've looked at our offensive line situation, um, I kind of feel that the money that he was allocated, um, you know, meets his talent level and what he can do. Uh, you know, for an offensive line, um, kind of solidifying a unit. So uh, Joe Douglas didn't want to, you know, give a blank check to Joe Thune yesterday. I'm not going to be mad at him for that. You know, it was a little bit slim at the offensive line position uh, as far as the free agents were concerned with big ticket guys. So who knows going into the second tier of uh, offensive players, you know, where does Joe Douglas go here? So um, it looks like we got a caller on the line here. This could be possibly our green bean, um, ready to give us his takes and his insight on what Joe Douglas and the Jets have been doing the last few hours, a uh, few days. And uh, let me get him on the air. Caller, uh, you are live on Jet Nation Radio. Is this green bean? It is. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, brother? Glad to have you on. Yeah, thank you. I'm psyched, man. It's good to be here. I know. This is... Uh, you know, the time of the year, um, you know, I always call the draft like football Christmas, so I don't know what holiday we want to call this one, but, uh, you know, this is the football new year, I guess we can say. Uh, right, it is. But, uh, it is. yeah, yeah. We, we made it. It's been a long off season, and uh, we are here. And Joe Douglas has made a few moves. So let's just start right with the first three big signings that he made yesterday, and I'll, and I'll throw the ball into your – to you here, um, Jared, Gerard Davis, Corey Davis. So we got the Davis brothers, 
and then we signed yeah. finally an edge rusher and Carl Lawson. Um, what are your thoughts on these three guys right off the bat? Well, first thing, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. We went from having a whole bunch of Williamses, you know, to now we are collecting Davises. <laughs> so hopefully yep. that'll that'll be a better turn for us. But, you know, yesterday, what a funny day yesterday was, Alex. It's, you know, like you said, it's, it, for us especially, it's like, it's like a new year, right? It's a big holiday. We build up to it, and, uh, and then here we are, and within the first hour, the tweets, and you saw it, I know you did, people were losing their minds over, you know, the fact oh, yeah. that we weren't making moves already. It was, uh, it was I, this year seems to be the most intense year uh, that I remember, and you know, I hang out on Jet Nation all day, so I've, I'm obviously, uh, you know, I do this every year, but t- this year felt even more intense. But ultimately, you know, we signed the linebacker out of nowhere, right? Now, who was talking about? You didn't see Connor Hughes or Rich Samini or anybody telling us that Jared Davis was on our on our radar. So that was very surprising. And I think when we signed him to a one-year contract, a lot of people got that taste in their mouth that here Joe Douglas goes again with all these one-year contracts and we can't, you know, we we have an inability to lock people up long-term and who the hell is this guy and all that kind of stuff. But my feeling on it is this. Um, the guy was a first-round pick, as we know. He was the 21st pick of the Detroit Lions in the 2017 draft, which is the Jamal Adams draft. Um, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But he came in the league. He had um, – let me just make sure I got my numbers right here. His his rookie year, he actually did okay. He had um, – he played 11 games. He had uh, – or no, he played – yeah, he played 11 games, but he had 96 tackles, four tackles for a loss, two sacks, a forced fumble, and a pick. It's a pretty good rookie year. The next year, he has 100 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, six sacks, and a forced fumble. And then Matt Patricia comes to town, and the guy dips. He falls off a cliff. And, and you know, he, he had mm-hmm. something like 63 tackles or something. But we all know that Matt Patricia's tenure in Detroit was not exactly successful. And a lot of guys hated being there with him and and everything so it just seems to me like this is a first round pick he was a stud in college i liked him coming out um and he had a really solid first two years gets a coach similar to us with adam gase a guy who many detroit fans felt like they who didn't know what he was doing and the guy uh, mm-hmm. has a dip in in uh, in production so i think joe douglas is trusting his own evaluation skills his own staff and they like him, and they see a guy that they probably liked a whole bunch coming out, and they said, this is an opportunity to grab a first-round talent, and we're doing it. And they locked him up for one year, $7 million, not too bad, and I think it's a great move. You know, I'm not, I'm not psyched like as if it was Joe Thune or anything, but I think it's a very solid move, and, uh, and I like it right, right out of the gate. Yes, uh, I completely agree. Um, you know, he was somebody that was on my radar. Um, you know, I didn't foresee him being a first-round talent, but um, when you talk about an off-wall linebacker that has coverage skills and, you know, clearly, like you said, um, things worked out good for him early on, but then, you know, some changes in the front office, guys come in with different plans, you know, different styles of defense and players, you know, and clearly um, – 
you know, he was kind of considered an odd, odd man out. And I kind of feel like there was a theme here. Not only were all these players 26 years old, so they're kind of in that prime window, but each of these players that we got, I kind of feel have a little bit of, uh, you know, untapped potential um, from where they were coming from. And I think Gerard is definitely one of those players. And if you think about, you know, the turnover that we had and, and all the different, um, you know, linebackers that we had in and out of the lineup last season, um, you know, you're right. going to need depth and you're going to need, um, you know, talent, um, you know, at all levels of the field. And, you know, last year there were certain points to where, you know, we were bringing in UDFAs into the fold and, and things like that. So, you know, this wasn't the foundational piece that everyone was ex- expecting the Jets to come out. You know, in a baseball terminology, we came out, we hit a single, we weren't swinging for the fences. Um, and, and I agree. I think that this is, uh, you know, a, a good piece to the puzzle here for Robert Sala's defense. And I think that, you know, the untapped potential is what we can expect from this player. So, you know, let's let the past be where it is and stay there. Think about how, you know, this guy's going to come into a new situation here and maybe he'll thrive in solid defense. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. You know, how important are base hits in a, in a baseball game, right? You can't right. have if – everybody, if everybody came to bat and swung for the fences, you would lose. I mean, more times than not. And, you know, those Mm -hmm. base hits are the most important part of the game. And that's exactly – that's a really good way to put it. And like you said, we have no linebackers on the roster. We have Blake Cashman, who, who, you know, really can't stay on the field. We have C.J. Mosley, who who hasn't played in two years. And there's rumors about him, you know, being traded. I don't know if there's any truth Mm -hmm. to that because – because like we are learning, our beat reporters don't necessarily have a – a finger on the pulse of the Jets. You know, the guys beat had us, right? They had us thinking Joe Thune, Juju Smith-Schuster, or Galladay, or Galladay. You know, that's where yep. they had us looking. And then out of nowhere, we signed these three guys that nobody talked about. And it just shows that, you know, if there's information coming out of the Jets, it's because Joe Douglas wants it to come out of the Jets, you know, out of the Jets. So I don't know if the C.J. Mosley stuff is real or he's putting it out there to get teams thinking or, or whatever. But even that aside, we don't have any linebackers, and it's one of those positions that we really do need. And, you know, not, not a lot of people were talking about. It's kind of – it's not sexy. You know, it's not wide receiver mm-hmm. or edge. But we need these guys. They're important. And I think it was really a good signing with uh, plenty of upside – and just like you said, Robert Sala's defense, I mean, this is the guy that's known to get every drop of potential out of guys. So why not a former first-round pick who had a really good two first years and Matt Patricia, just like Adam Gase did to so many of our guys, kind of mismanaged them. Exactly. And, you know, when you're taking a player like this, we're more or less taking a flyer here, and we're not committed to the long-term um, kind of similar to the one-year deals that Joe Douglas did last year. Um, I think, you know, this one was right around, you know, the $5 million mark, maybe potential to get $7 million if, you know, he gets his incentives or something like that. Not really sure how the details work out. But um, if, it, if it does happen, you know, we got him, you know, I'm seeing $5.5 million now. Uh, so, you know, we got him here. If things work out well, we'll still have the opportunity to work on something long-term later. Um, but we're not committed, right, right. you know, for the long haul now and, and, and tied to him. 
So, you know, in the event that somebody else, you know, emerges from this younger lineup, you know, let's say, you know, Bryce Huff comes into the fold or, you know, if Kyle Davis, who was hurt last year, ends up, you know, bouncing back, you know, anything can happen. But you just can't have a bunch of linebackers that are run stoppers, you know, and can put their hand in the dirt and and go chase the quarterback. You do need some athleticism to drop back into coverage um, and, and, you know, pick up players coming across the middle or cover the tight end, you know, every now and again. And, you know, these are the things that, you know, we can anticipate from, you know, Jared, you know, moving forward. Um, So, you know, let's migrate to the other Davis here, Um, Corey Davis. uh, What are your thoughts on, on that signing? I love Corey Davis. You know, this is the, it's, it's funny because again, they had, you know, all of our attention was focused elsewhere. Even guys like Will Fuller and Curtis Samuel Mm -hmm. were getting more attention than Corey Davis, but Corey Davis was the fifth overall pick in the Jamal Adams draft. It's funny, like you said, we're plucking, uh, it seems like that age window is really what Joe Douglas is looking at here uh, going mm-hmm. into their prime. And this is another guy who has, who has put up, you know, really decent numbers his whole career, and he's on a team that is uh, known to be, you know, centered on the running game, you know, but he's another one. He had, you know, he's played – uh, 16 game once, 15 games, 14 games. So for the most part, he's healthy, which has been, uh, you know, not so much the case with the Jets. And you know, we just changed our whole medical staff, and we get in, we can get into that later if you'd like. But this is a guy who was predominantly healthy. He put up, uh, you know, 891 yards in 2018. He put up 600 yards in 2019, and. 984,000 yards last year. And everybody says, you know, he didn't hit 1,000 yards. 984 is 1,000 yards in my book. You know what I mean? Like, what are mm-hmm. we, you know, we're yeah. splitting hairs here. But yep, he's, a, yep. he's a productive receiver. And if you can, you know, Alex, I don't know if you're picking up on it, but I'm sure you are. But Joe Douglas has a type with receivers. Every single receiver that he's brought in is 6'2 and above. And Corey Davis fits right into that. He's six foot three. Uh, big, strong hands, wide receiver. He has his speed, and one of the things that he's known for is being an effective blocker downfield. It's another yep. uh, trait that Joe Douglas likes in his receivers, and I think it's really important. It's one of those things where, you know, as much as I liked Robbie Anderson, and I did, it's an, I'm, I'm never going to throw a stone his way uh, because I liked him as a player and as a person. I thought he, you know, he overcame a lot. Um, to get where he got, and I'm, you know, I'm happy for him and everything, but uh, he wasn't known as a blocker, and he was one of those guys that when he wasn't getting the ball, he wasn't necessarily running full speed. You know, he was one of those guys, and um, Corey Davis is not that. He's 100% all the time. He's a blocker downfield, and he's got good hands, good speed, and I think, uh, you know, he's the number one wide receiver that we've been looking for, and him paired with Mims, who's also six foot three. I think uh, Crowder or a Crowder type with those two is going to be a dynamic, uh, very ball-control-oriented offense, and we're going to be able to move the ball down the field with a guy like Corey Davis in the fold. And I thought that was another one, came out of left field. He was not on my radar. I looked at him because he's part of the free agent pool, but nobody was pointing, you know, as the Jets being really uh, looking for him to be the guy they signed. And I couldn't be happier. I, I really didn't want Juju Smith-Schuster, and I didn't want to mm. see us pay $20 million for a wide receiver. I was really hoping that we didn't do that. 
Um, so this, uh, this fits all the, it checks all the boxes for me and I'm really excited. And I thought it came out of nowhere and that I was just tickled, tickled when I heard it. Absolutely. Because if you're looking at the entire, you know, wide receiver market of who's still out there, there are, there are names that are more profound to certain, you know, eyes and ears, um, than Corey Davis. And, you know, most people will say, you know, he hasn't lived up to expectations in Tennessee. So that's why he left, but you know, we are Jets fans. But, you know, like you said, which is a very good point, this is a run-heavy team. This is a team that has a future Hall of Famer in Derrick Henry, and the offense runs through him. If he's having a bad day, it, the dominoes fall accordingly. So, right. you know, you're, you're talking about somebody that was also, the whole team was affected by the pandemic, you know, numerous times last year. And even Corey missed two games being on the COVID list last year. So factor in that when you're looking at stats and you say he only had five touchdowns and he was just under a thousand yards, I'm like you said, I'm giving him over a thousand yards easy if he's healthy and not <laughs> right. dealing with a pandemic last year. So exactly, and, and, and to, <laughs> if you look at the body of work, he's continuously gotten better um, throughout the years. You know, um, you know, raising his yards per average, his yak is in, is has increased and his catch percentage has increased as well. So it seems like, you know, Corey came into the league. He had a red flag because I think of an injury. I'm not sure specifically, but I remember that conversation. And he came from a smaller school. So, you know, people weren't very high on him. And then when he went five overall, they were like, well, you know, Titans must really love him. Now you factor in the fact that he had a struggling Marcus Mariota. And, you know, he's played well, but I think it's just kind of, with the equation that they made in that offense, Ryan Tannehill thrived with the pieces around him, and A.J. Brown has blossomed the last two years. So with A.J. Brown emerging as one of the top wide receivers in the league, Corey was still doing his thing, even though he wasn't really considered like the go-to guy in that offense. So now coming into New York, he has the opportunity to you know go up and take that number one wide receiver role, um, or at least compete with Mims at this point, and to match physicality with Mims um, you know, as a top two duo, um, you know, those guys, you know, can, can be monsters when healthy. And, and I'm excited to see what, the, what they're going to bring to this offense um, because uh, he is, you know, I think he comes with, like, as the complete package for the, as a wide receiver. You know, he could block. He's got the running ability. Um, he's got the size. And, um, you know, if you get him in space, he can, he can, you know, run with the best of them. So I think as – a guy that maybe was not on everyone's radar. I really like this move by Joe Douglas because, you know, like you said, everybody was looking for the bigger names, and then we come out here and we make a pretty decent deal. Um, you know, the numbers may not look where you wanted them to, but when you factor in the bonus money and what it counts against the cap, um, it's pretty economical for this team as well. So, um, you know, two thumbs up for me for Joe Douglas, um, you know, obtaining Corey Davis and, and addressing you know the offensive needs, which is you know more talent at the wide receiver position. Yeah, um, it's you know those those are great points. I just wanted to say, you know, I really do you know agree with what you're saying. It's like you know don't forget someone's situation. I think the Mariota piece is really important. He was struggling that whole first year to the to the tune of getting benched, and you know, and then you look, they had a whole transformation when he was there and then the COVID stuff, just, you know, it's clear to me, like it really, and this is not just painting it, you know, looking for green colored glasses. 
it's clear to me this is a baller. This is a guy, his, his trajectory is up. And that's if you look at these guys, all the guys that we signed, they're on the upswing. You know, like these are guys not on the decline of their careers. And that's what's so exciting. Young guys, hungry guys, uh, guys that have production uh, and uh, coming into a, a team with a guy like Robert Sala, who, again, you know, you heard Juszczyk said, Sala makes you want to smash your head through a table or light yourself on fire. That's the exact kind of coach that you want for guys with this kind of talent you know, had one issue or another. They Like, you know, collecting those guys and putting them on a team with Robert Sala as a coach, I, I don't see anything negative about this signing. I really don't. No, and, you know, now it gives us more opportunities when we get into April and we've, you know, started filling out some of the, you know, the voids or gaping holes, as people like to say in social media, um, you know, and, and the next player we're talking about, has probably, you know, been this, this abyss, this giant void since we've been, you know, clamoring for since John Abraham, and, and that's an edge defender. Now, again, you know, kind of keeping the same theme here, what you see as far as the stats from Carl Lawson are not going to knock you off your feet. But if you look at the analytics of it and you look at, you know, his, his pressure rating and the QB hits and, you know, the, the, the tackles in the backfield and, and all those things. It's just, you know, sometimes sacks don't always tell, tell the tale. Um, right. You look at certain players that have double digits and you're saying, well, how many of those were covered sacks? And he was a benefactor of his, you know, secondary doing their job and blanketing everybody. And after a four or five second, you know, staring at, standing in the pocket, you know, somebody just gets lucky. Um, so, you know, we bring in Carl Lawson here somebody that I was pretty high on, you know, back in, in the draft of uh, 2017. And, uh, you know, here he is uh, being one of the top um, players talked about in free agency. And uh, Joe Douglas locks him up, you know, for three years, 45 million, which some people, you know, again, were a little alarmed with. But if you look at what guys have been getting paid for that position, and clearly that's a premium position. So you either have to use, you know, draft capital to go get those kind of guys, or you have to pay out the nose to get them. So clearly the draft hasn't brought us any premium um, edge rushers. Um, so we, we, our hand was forced here to go out and buy one. And I think Carl Lawson for me is a slam dunk here as far as, you know, another cog in the wheel here for, for Sala to do what he's trying to put together. Yeah. I mean, and there's just so much to unpack here with this guy. You know, you said so many great points about the analytics of it. And, you know, I was actually on a live stream last night when the signing came in. And it was just oh, so exciting. exciting. <laughs> Cause at, at that, yeah, it was so cool, man. It was like, you know, because we've been hearing all the tension, you know, the tension all day and, and everybody. And we did sign Corey Davis, but that wasn't doing enough to pacify the, the you know, the masses. And then out of nowhere, mm-hmm. we signed Lawson. And it was so cool because up to that point, we were really hearing about Trey Hendrickson, who was somebody I liked as yeah. well. But, and I went literally 10 minutes before we found out about the signing. I said, you know, I would be happy with Trey Hendrickson. And, and, and I'm happy to hear that we're already working on edge rushers, but I would have been happier with Carl Lawson. And then out of nowhere, Jets signed Carl Lawson. And it's just so, like, like you said, I mean, you know, sacks don't always tell the tale. Look at Jordan Jenkins two years ago. He had 
You know, he had eight sacks, a career high. Look at Jamal Adams, eight and a half sacks. He's, he's breaking the record. But what do those sacks mean? Like, when are they getting the sacks? You know, uh, right. you know what? You know what part of the game? What's going on on the? You know, in that play, Jordan Jenkins' sacks were predominantly coverage sacks. He was—he's not the guy that's going to blow through the line and and disrupt the play. He's the guy. He—he's a cleanup to play, which has its benefit too. It's not a negative, but it's a totally different eight sacks than somebody like Carl Lawson's six sacks. It's—it's it's totally different. You know, Carl Lawson, if you look—he's blowing through the line he's disrupting the play he's causing incomplete passes he's he's he, you know he's pressuring and hurrying and hitting the quarterback making him rush his throws those are just as important uh, and that's when interceptions happen that's when fumbles happen and that's when obviously uh, you know incomplete passes and all that stuff happen that's the guy Carl Lawson is his motor is one of the better in the game at the position he never stops and that's the great thing about him. You see him, the way he attacks, uh, you know, he comes from the right end most of the time, and the way that he comes around that corner and or bull rushes, it's impressive. And it's going to be so nice to have Quinn and Williams with somebody mm-hmm. next to him that has to be accounted for. You know, I think it's just so great. And, you know, look, you know yesterday we were hearing all about the, the, the money that Joe Douglas has. Why do we have all this money if he's not going to spend it? I can't believe we lost Joe Thune and, and all this sort of stuff. And then as soon as we signed Carl Lawson, and it's, you know, look, it's not a cheap contract. It's not obscene, but it's not, it's, you know, it's a, it's a hefty contract. And then the first thing that we hear is uh, too much. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, you right. can't have it for <laughs> If you want, right? If you want, if you want a premium guy, which he is, he's not the biggest name in the world. He's been in Cincinnati, so not a lot of big names come out of the losing teams, and we know what that's like, you know. But he comes out of Cincinnati. He uh, he's one of the better guys at the position, and we paid for him. And I could not be happier with that choice, and the fact that we locked him up on day one. I think day one was. Uh, you know, it wasn't what I expected, but I'm really mm-hmm. happy coming out of day one with those three guys. And Carl Lawson as the cherry on top is just perfect for me, Alex. It really is. Yeah, that that was a great way to end the night yesterday because it seemed like another one of those years where, you know, the first tier of guys kind of go and, and then, you know, we're talking to, uh, well, now the Jets are sitting, you know, with the most money, you know, in the league and, and they can make whatever offers they want if they get into a bidding war. You know, it all sounds great, but it never really comes to fruition. And, you know, for a change, you know, we we got involved. Um, you know, we're not making moves like the Patriots, good Lord. But, um, you know, the fact that <laughs> right. we came away with a couple, you know, core positions, um, you know, that, that were absolutely needs on this team. And, you know, Glenn made a great point yesterday because as you know, we've been going through mock season and you get mocked when you put out a mock for not taking player X at this spot. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of great. people have been, you know, criticizing me for my, my pick at 23. And I'm sitting there saying like, so you're telling me I'm supposed to take an edge guy because that's what, you know, pundits say, um, you know, what if the player doesn't warrant that pick? And I'm looking at this edge class for the draft and there are no Bosa's or Miles Garrett's or, you know, J.J. Watts of the world. So why should I have to follow a narrative, you know, 
or, or reach on a player at a, at a particular premium pick because that's what, you know, people say you should do. You know, I want a guy that's right. going to warrant the talent <laughs> at that pick. And now that we have Lawson in-house, that gives us more leverage to say, okay, we don't necessarily need to reach at 23 or 34. Um, you know, we can get a little selective here and maybe, you know, work that pick at 34 or work that pick at, you know, our first round pick or the first selection in round three and, and get who we want, who we feel that's going to be the best fit for our defense rather than just right. going DPA at that position. So I feel like now it, it opens a little bit of things, even with just three signings, um, you know, defensively. And this was part of my game plan going into the, the free agency was let Sala go out and get the players that he feels is going to make his defense dominant. And, you know, let's try to get explosive players in the draft, you know, for offense and use those mid-round picks to build our depth either defensively or maybe at the offensive line. So this way, if the wheels start falling off, we'll have, you know, talented bodies that can, can you know, step up and, and fill those positions. So um, I, I feel that we've, we've actually gotten a good start to the, to the free agency here. And, um, you know, that, that'll bring me right into, um, you know, what are, what are, where do you think we should go from here now? Um, you know, what are the positions that you think that we should start looking into um, before we get into April uh, so that, you know, we basically have all a cart when it comes to the draft? Well, you know, and look, what, everything you just said is, is just so perfect. And there's, you know, we always hear about drafting for need or drafting for, you know, best player available. But there's another more encompassing mindset. And, you know, what, what Joe Douglas is literally doing is, giving himself the ability to be flexible, not desperate in the draft. And that's when you're desperate is when you start reaching. You know, just like you said so perfectly, it's like you need an edge rusher, so you end up overdrafting somebody who's not really deserving of the pick because you, quote, need someone. You have to get somebody in there that's, you know, with with a premium pick and, and you're always playing from behind when you, when you work like that. What Joe Douglas is doing is he's, he's filling needs, but he's not trying to build the team through free agency. He's giving himself flexibility to build the right way through the draft. And I think that's fantastic. So, so to continue that, I really still would like to see us grab an interior offensive lineman. You know, I found it really interesting that it turned out we didn't even offer Lindsley a, uh, you know, from the Packers, the center, uh, uh, a mm-hmm. deal at all. So we weren't interested because I really am I'm kind of intrigued by the Raiders uh, cutting their center. I think that that's really interesting. You know, Rodney Hudson, he's a little older. He's, uh, this will be, I think it's his 10th or 11th year in the league. Um, but he would be somebody interesting to bring on. And, you know, if we were to bring in a center, it's obviously to move Connor McGovern over to guard his natural position. And I think that would be a way to go. So I, I still think we should grab an interior defense. I'm sorry, offensive lineman. So I, I also like Gabe Jackson uh, and I like mm-hmm. uh, Trey Turner. Trey Turner is kind of on the downswing of his career. You know, he had a couple years, you know, some injuries and stuff. But he's a five-time pro bowler. He's an absolute stud. And he's one of those guys where he's been so good that I think the last year and a half might be the anomaly. 
And I think that if you signed him to a kind of a prove-it style contract, you might end up getting a lot of benefit out of that because he's a, you know, look, he was one of the better offensive linemen in the years. So, uh, you know, in the league, I mean, so I think, you know, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, Trey Turner would be really nice. I also would like to see some of the 49ers guys from the defensive side uh, make their way over. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed to hear Jason Verrett was staying over there. That mm-hmm. was a guy I thought would they, that they were going to bring. But I'm really hoping for Richard Sherman and not so much for the play. I mean, he can still play. He's still going to end up being a starting cornerback. But it's more about mm-hmm. his impact, you know, having the rah-rah guy like Rex Ryan did and like Parcells always did. You know, bring the guys that you know believe in your, in your culture 100% and bring those guys over to help the team adapt and adjust and embrace the new culture that you're trying to, to implement. So I'd like to see him, if not maybe Quan, uh, Quan Williams. You know, one of those okay. guys, I think. And uh, also, I'm, I'm really I'm looking for a tight end. You know, I'm a, I, I really like this tight end class. And uh, mm-hmm. there's quite a few guys I think uh, really uh, could could come in and be you know uh, you know day one starters, but I would like to see a guy like maybe Gerald Everett from the Rams or um, even even though he's he's a little bit older Kyle Rudolph just guys that you know what you're gonna get you know they're solid exactly. because I don't think you know Daniel Brown and Ryan Griffin look Ryan Griffin had those few games it was nice. Joe Douglas gave right. him an extension. It's, it's, it's real nice, but we, we already know what he is. We, we, we know his ceiling, and I just think bringing in a tight end and then drafting one as well would be wise because I'm going to tell you a secret. Chris Herndon's never done anything. I mean, I know we love him. Everybody wants to believe right. in him, but the guy has never done anything, Alex. He had 39 catches his rookie year. He looked good a couple of games. He was injured and suspended. And then last year, he looked atrocious. And so the last couple of games, he kind of settled down a little right. bit. But he's given us no reason to believe that he is the guy. So I'm not saying cut him. You know, let him play out his rookie contract. But I think it's time you start bringing in some quality tight ends, especially knowing how important tight ends are to the Shanahan-style offense. And I think uh, I would hate to see us depend on Herndon and him pull the same crap that he pulled last year. So uh, Gerald Everett and maybe a guy like Kenny Yaboa in the draft or even, um, you know, Hunter Long. Or I mean, my favorite is Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts. I don't think we're going to get him and then maybe Pat Fryer. Right. But, uh, you know, one of those guys and then maybe a Gerald, Gerald Everett in free agency I think would be fantastic. Yeah, he, he's on my list. You know, the dang Patriots went out and took, you know, one of the top two guys that I was kind of hoping we'd kick the tires on in Hunter Henry and uh, yeah. Jonu Smith. Um, you know, but that's that's what the Patriots do. They they play, you know, they get aggressive when they want something. And, you know, that's why they've been so successful in the past. And it kind of looks like they're, they, they're not taking their losing season um, as well as, as, you know, others anticipated and, they're looking to make an immediate change with their team. So, you know, that's what you kind of have to do sometimes when you, when you find yourself being in the basement of the NFL. Um, you got to get aggressive in, in order to climb your way out. And, you know, those you had mentioned um, some of the guys that I have on my watch list now for, for the Jets to look at. You know, Gerald Everett would be my one. Um, and these guys, you know, they may be in a little long in the tooth, but you know what to expect from them, like you said, and maybe a, a Jared Cook or a Kyle Rudolph. So, 
Right. You know, if the Jets have a way to get a lucrative deal to bring somebody in, spark the fire under Chris Herndon to create a little bit of competition, I'm fine with that because, you know, some guys get a little comfortable uh, with their scenarios. And I'm not saying that that's the situation with um, Herndon, but, you know, just kind of going from that rookie hungry, I need to make something of myself mentality, and then just kind of falling into the number one, um, you know, spot in the depth chart. Um, not necessarily because you earned it because there's nobody else around to compete with you. Um, you know, Herndon mm-hmm. might need, you know, to get that, that fire back in him by bringing in somebody of equal talent or, you know, or veteranship to try to say, you know, this is how I've done it the last decade. And, you know, this is, if you follow this plan or this way I go about this, you know, you'll find yourself in, you know, a similar position that I'm in. So, you know, I'm, I'm all about bringing in depth at the, uh, the tight end position for sure. Um, so yeah, I got to ask. That's you, a really um, good way to put it uh, too. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step yeah, on you, yeah. but I, I just agree. No, no, that's... I agree that that's a good way to put it. You know, getting making sure Herndon doesn't know he's the only guy on the, you know, in the spot. Let him know his job's uh, threatened, and I think that'll yeah. be a positive on him. You know. Great, absolutely, and and you know some of the targets that you had mentioned for the offensive line. I guess now we're looking at guys that, you know, they're a little bit older, but they have veteranship. Um, you know, these, these might be the guys that, that those, those bridge gaps that get you to, you know, maybe Cam Clark is not ready to step into the starting role yet. So you kick the tires on a, a Trey Turner or Rodney Hudson or David Andrews and you kind of modify the offensive line a little bit for a year just to make sure that your quarterback is in, you know, good standings. Um, I'm perfectly fine if, if Joe Douglas goes after, you know, a vet, just to give us a little bit more of uh, consistency with protecting the quarterback, you know, going into this year, um, you know, and, and, and I'm seeing here now, it looks like we have one signing here, not a big one. Um, Justin Hardy, a special teamer from new Orleans um, listed as a cornerback, never started any time as a corner, but they're saying he's a special team ace. Um, he just tweeted, New York Jets, I swear you just got a dog. So welcome to New York, Justin Hardy. Um, you know, well, I look forward to, you know, looking and researching about him. I don't have anything for our fans at the moment, but I figured I'd just, you know, uh, let everybody know that it looks like Joe Douglas is beginning his uh, his evening routine of, of, of doing some yeah. um, <laughs> later late-night signings here. So hopefully this is uh, – one of two, maybe three more signings to go tonight, um, you know, as we get into things here. Um, Greenbead, you know, we, this 45 minutes just flew by, but we can still keep rolling here. Um, is there any other players that, you know, you're, you're interested in that, you know, you wouldn't mind if you yeah. just, uh, taking a swing at? Hmm. Let's think. I mean, I think signing a special teams guy like that is really interesting. Like you said, I have to – I have to look into him a little bit more. I'm not, I'm not necessarily familiar uh, with him. But, look, again, you know, one of the things yeah. I want to say, Alex, is that I really do feel like, look, Jets fans, we're, we're damaged. You know, we, we have a lot of PTSD. But I think we really need to understand that while he won't be perfect, we have a guy in, in general manager Joe Douglas and his staff. These guys are – our scouts at heart, these guys are player evaluators, and we can trust them. Again, they're not going to hit on everything, 
But I think it's uh, it's look, we got to look at these guys and know that the that the people they're bringing in have a really good chance to really have an impact, and they're all going to be those high quality guys, you know, guys that aren't punks and 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 divas and all those kinds of people. But one of the things right. I will say too, I, I I have to admit. I'm really hoping that we turn around and retain Brian Poole. I know it's a long shot at this point, yes. but I'm hoping that we keep him. Uh, but there's another guy that I, I have my eye on, and that's uh, A.J. Bowie. Um, he's another mm-hmm. one that I like. Again, a, li- a little bit older, but I like him, and I think he would be another uh, positive impact over here. And I wouldn't be against grabbing another wide receiver. But then I know, like if we grabbed, for example, a Curtis Samuel, that's pretty much going to be all she wrote for Crowder. And, uh, right. you know, it's all, you know, and for me, it's just all about if Sala and, and uh, LaFleur like a player enough to bring in and replace a guy who's here, we have to just roll with that. It sucked. We all love Crowder. But, uh, you know, I think it's just time to trust these guys. We're in good hands. I feel that. It's so different than our GMs in the past. And I think it's really we're in good hands. You know, that's the best way to say it. And I'm excited. Uh, I think, uh, I think we'll see a few more guys, but I don't know if any big names, but I wouldn't be against another receiver, another edge type or another inside linebacker. That would make me really happy. Yeah. And you know, that's interesting. I'm glad you brought up Crowder because a lot of people seem to be, you know, either, you know, on one side where you're crazy, let's keep him. And then other people are saying, Hey, you know, this guy is about to be, uh, you know, 28 years old, you know, this upcoming year, um, you know, still under 30, which is good. But you look at the body of work, a little bit up and down. Uh, and, you know, last year he started off at a really, really good pace, um, kind of got, you know, banged up here. And that's kind of been a little bit of the theme for Jameson throughout his career is, um, you know, some games he's available, some games he's dealing with things. And, you know, he started off very hot. And, and then, you know, um, there were some games where, you know, maybe the defense was doing their job and just, you know, uh, taking him out of the equation. You know, a lot of people don't um, put that, you know, into uh, or factor that, you know, that there's defensive coordinators that game plan against, you know, your best guys. And when you're a 2-14 and 14 team and you're always throwing the ball to 82 – probably a good place to start to, uh, you know, stop them from what they're doing. But, uh, you know, to go to, uh, let's just say, a Jamison Crowder at $10 million, and if you're telling me that we could possibly, you know, get a Curtis Samuel, who's a couple years younger, plays a similar position and also can give you a little bit of gadget kind of play where he has experience as a running back from his Ohio State days and, when Christian McCaffrey was hurt last year, um, you know, they, they called upon him a, a few times um, to, to play running back for them because things just got really bad for their running back situation last year. But when you have a player that's versatile like that, who, you know, I was talking with somebody yesterday on Twitter and they were like, I don't get the, you know, the infatuation. I said, you know, he's not the guy, but he's going to be a piece that is going to, you know, make our offense a little bit more explosive than from what we've seen in the past. You know, I always kind of feel like we get these guys that can run fast in a straight line. Well, where's the guy that, you know, he could do the end around and you stick it in his belly and, and, and you know, he makes something happen. Um, where's the guy that, 
you know, you put them possibly, you know, uh, on a on a return situation, and he makes a spark and gets a big, big, you know, gobbles up a few yards. I haven't really seen a lot of that explosiveness coming from this team. So, um, you know, bringing in somebody a little bit younger, you know, 24 years old, kind of a dual threat, um, you know, for me, that that's a no-brainer, um, you know, and, and that's why I'm a little bit higher, or at least I'm part of that crowd that's like, you know, let's get, you know, Curtis Samuel and Gotham Green next year, and then, you know, if you want to get, get an explosive, you know, maybe one, um, you know, explosive guy in the draft and, and solidify this thing where we get four legit weapons for Darnold or whomever the quarterback may be, um, I'm all about that. Yeah, I could not agree more. It's like, why not us? Why don't we have that guy? And, and you said it, and it's kind of funny, but it's so true. We get fast guys all the time, but they can't move. They can't do anything with it. They just run real fast. That's all they do. And yeah. why not us to have a young guy who can, you know, give us that Tyreek Hill type of an impact, can, can shake a couple guys, right. make them look silly, and then, and then burn it down the field. You know, and so that's the whole thing. As much as I like Crowder – and we don't, quote, need the money right now. But if you're going to save mm-hmm. that 10 million be able to upgrade with a Curtis Samuel, again, I agree with you 100%. I would really, I would do it. And especially if LaFleur, you know, if LaFleur uh, thinks that that's what we should do, like, hey, I need this type of a guy, then you just go get him. And uh, so one more guy that I wanted to make sure I mentioned before, before we yep. go, and I really would like is, uh, is Kyle Van Noy. The guy, he was a, a okay. Patriot, and then he was on the Dolphins, and they cut him. He's a guy that I really like. I, you know, I liked his, his game for a while, and I think uh, he's a guy that was cut so he wouldn't count against the comp game, um, which I always keep my – I'm always watching the comp picks and keeping tabs on all that. But anyway, I think he would be really good, especially if we, if we move C.J. Mosley and have, you know, Jared Davis with Kyle Van Noy in our 4-2-5, I think we would be in really good shape. And uh, so that's just a guy I wanted to mention. I don't know how likely it is, but if we were able to grab Curtis Samuel and Kyle Van Noy and, and then call free agency a day, it's, you know, unless, you know, outside of like, you know, filling the roster with the lower end stuff, I would be ecstatic. Right. I would be going into the draft. I'd be psyched, man. Exactly. And, you know, we don't know what the future holds with the quarterback position as of yet. So we're going to continue to, you know, believe that 14 is the guy until, you know, uh, we, we hear otherwise. And, you know, just build, keep building. Keep stacking your chips. Continue to keep, um, you know, adding talent to this roster. Um, so then, you know, if, if the, um, the offer that we can't refuse comes to our table, you know, we're ready to do so. Um, and, uh, you know, this is where it all starts. And, you know, as we continue to see more players come in, you know, we might see a little bit more light on, on what the front office is thinking here uh, because I don't think it's as cut and dry as certain people have it as of right now. Um, and, and this is what makes it kind of exciting. You know, this is, you know, it's kind of the same old shtick for certain Jets fans, but it's got a little bit of a different twist to it this year. Um, you know, kind of dealing with the Darnold situation and going into year four, you know, we're supposed to be talking about playoffs and this and that, and now we're talking about, you know, pulling the uh, the cord on him and maybe starting anew, or maybe we just continue to build the team and give him one last hurrah and say, hey, kid, 
you know, we've put this all together for you. And now it's either, you know, sink or swim, Sam. Um, you know, and, and that could be the scenario that we're looking at going into this year. And some people may not like that, but, you know, when you have a young quarterback that has potential, uh, you know, you try to squeeze as much juice as you can out of it. I still think there might be a little bit left because, you know, the the bad voodoo that Gase put on him um, was clear and apparent. I do think Sam has a lot of mechanical issues and some things to work upstairs, you know, mentally with his game. Uh, but maybe, you know, a fresh start with a new offensive coordinator and, and some some better talent around you can, can maybe turn things around. And, you know, I'm still not ready to just be cut and dry with this whole quarterback situation. Um, like I said, until the move continues to happen, I'm going to go and continue to look at this, you know, through the lens of Joe Douglas and say I'm still building, you know, you know, hopefully a, a championship team. And, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but, you know, keep building off the foundation that, that you're starting to create now. Yeah, and the Sam Darnold thing is so interesting, you know, and, I, and I'll just say this because I'm about to be very complimentary, but I want to make sure I say this first. I'm on, I'm in the camp of, of get the, uh, Deshaun Watson, if you can. I'm not into giving three picks. I have a number two overall mm-hmm. pick, a first next year, and a third. Like, that's what I think. But I'd like to get Deshaun Watson. But if that's off the table, the way I look at it is, if you keep Sam Darnold, then you can take that second overall pick and trade down and, and, and really acquire a lot of assets that can be used mm-hmm. to build the team in the next two, three years even. You know, you can get – if you trade back once or twice, you could really – you know, you could potentially get, you know, two, three firsts out of it and then some change, some thirds and seconds and all kinds of stuff. So that's the way to look at it. It's, it's Sam and two firsts versus Zach Wilson. Like, that's how I look at it. So if, you know, if we're going to build this team and we're going to trade back and use one of those firsts on Kyle Pitts or Rashad Bateman, and then we're going to bolster that line and we're going to tell Sam, all right, buddy, this is your, this is your shot. You know, we finally got your quarterback coach. The, the poor guy has never had a quarterback coach, even with Jeremy Bates, Alex. Jeremy Bates right. didn't even hire a quarterback coach. I mean, what, what is that? You know, so the last two regimes thought that this young guy, 20, the, the youngest quarterback ever to start an NFL game, yep. does not need a quarterback coach. Why? I don't know. But that's what we've done to him. So, wow. you know, I'm okay with moving on from them. I really am. But if the team thinks, okay, the value of trading back is more than taking Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or whoever else, then I'm all about it. Let's do it. Let's use the picks and let's build it the best way we can with the most weapons we can, the best offensive line that we can. And let's tell Sam, put up or shut up. And, and, you know, that might be a scenario that, that we could be looking at here. And, you know, only time will tell how this is all going to unfold. And, um, you know, again, you know, similar but not same to previous years um, is how I'm looking at this thing. And, and you know, right now let's just – let's be happy that we've gotten a, a few pieces within, you know, the beginning process here. I'm sure Joe's got some more, you know, good stuff lined up for us. Um, who knows, maybe tonight we might see another fun signing, um, you know, or maybe just a couple in-house guys. You know, I'd, like you said, I'd love to have Brian Poole come back, you know, 
keep the continuity that we have in that, that backfield. Uh, you just can't deploy all inexperienced guys, um, you know, to, to be the, the last line of defense um, in a, in a pass heavy league. So veteranship is absolutely important. And, you know, I feel like, you know, we didn't get to see the best of Brian Poole because he got injured and, and we lost him, you know, pretty early on in the process. So um, I'm sure he's still, you know, in that mind frame to where, you know, I feel like I have to go back out there and prove that I'm capable of putting up those, those kind of numbers I did in 2019. You know, I'm not just a fluke um, is probably what, what I'm thinking if I was him. And, uh, you know, that's a guy that I really hope that we see within the next day or two um, getting inked as a jet because uh, when you have physical guys like that, uh, you know, and, and from what we hear from Robert Sala's defense, um, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, really, really tend to thrive. So um, definitely would love to see, you know, Poole come back and be one of those guys in the uh, comeback player kind of, you know, conversation. I completely agree, man. I mean, Brian Poole, maybe even Neville Hewitt as a reserve, not a starter. Uh, some of these guys I'm hoping that we retain, and for the exact reasons that you said. We do need some veterans in there. I real, I'm really high on Bryce Hall. Like, uh, I mean, really high. I'm a huge Bryce Hall fan. Uh, I like Lamar Jackson. I like some of these guys. But it would be really nice to have a veteran back there. Um, you know, uh, we have Marcus May, but I'm, you know, I mean, in, in, you know, in the cornerback group, uh, it'd be really nice to have a, you know, a cornerback that, that is a veteran. I think Brian Poole's, you know, he's one of the better nickelbacks, so I'd like to see him stay. If they let him go, I get it, but I'm really curious to see who they would replace him with. I'd hate to see him create another hole, you know. Um, you know, we Absolutely. have enough holes. So I, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, he's a guy I'd like to retain. <laughs> we got enough of that. Well, Greenbean, I have to say, man, this has been a lot of fun. I'm so glad that you were able to give us your time and come back on to the show. Um, you know, it looks like uh, Dylan and, and Glenn will be available tomorrow. So in the event that, uh, you know, the Jets make some splash moves tonight or, you know, early tomorrow, we're probably going to be back, um, you know, right around that 6 p.m. to 6.30 window, um, you know, because – this is, you know, one of the funner times of the year. So, you know, when, when good content's out there, we gotta, we gotta get, get it out there to social media. So again, thank you for All taking right. your time um, to come on. If you want to go ahead and plug, um, you know, your handle and, and where our fans can find you. Um, Cause you know, you haven't been on the show. I think this is your second time with us here. So, um, you know, right. I, I talked a little bit about you before you came on, but go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you. Okay. So uh, I'm on, I'm the, the weekly Jet Nation video guy for YouTube. So we put out uh, a video every week on, you know, the YouTube uh, slash Jet Nation page. I also have a separate YouTube page where my podcast lives, and that's Green Bean Jets Fan on YouTube. And if anyone wants to follow my coaster tour, I'm literally living in an RV, driving around with my family to ride every roller coaster in the country. You can find all of oh, that. Great. I document everything. Yeah, it's insane, man. But, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you can find all of that on YouTube as well, and that one's full-time coaster tour. Please like and subscribe. That's the big thing. Uh, and I'm real oh, happy yeah. to talk to everybody who buy and check it out. That's great. Green Bean, you're the man. Thank you so much for uh, giving us your time yet again. 
And, um, yeah, you know, we'll have to link up when April rolls around so we could get your, you know, take on it before we get into the draft. And um, I know that, you know, Glenn, Dylan, and I are probably preparing, a, you know, a final mock before we go into the draft. So, uh, yeah, we'll connect and, you know, maybe you can join us and, and give us, you know, your your guys that you want for, for the upcoming draft as well. What do you think? Yeah, I'd be delighted, man. And I mean this. I'm going to say it, but I mean it. Anytime, Alex. Anytime you guys want me to pop in for whatever you want me to, I'd be happy to do it. Um, I'm just waiting for you guys to ask. I love it That's here. That's great, man. Yep, yep. We <laughs> all, you know, I love everybody here from Jet Nation. This is one of the, the best hobbies I've ever had in my life. And, you know, connecting with people like you and Dylan, Glenn, Courtney, you know, everybody, that's what makes it, uh, you know, so much more fun. But uh, let's sign oh, yeah. off here. We've had a great conversation. And, uh, you know, from us here at JetNation.com, please, um, you know, interact with us here. Let us know how you feel about the show. And, uh, you know, hopefully Joe Douglas brings us in a couple more studs. So from everybody here at Jet Nation, thank you for tuning in. Everybody have a good night, and we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jet. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.